0: Hey, welcome to the Votary Podcast. We're a team of filmmakers based in New England who are passionate about storytelling. We talk about the impact the stories have in every part of our lives, from business to culture and everything in between. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Votary Podcast. This is episode 20, and it's special because uh, we have an awesome guest in the studio, my brother Josiah, who is also a filmmaker, and we have a pretty special history. Some people know it, some people don't. We broke away from our dad's business um, in the mid-2000s, sorry, early 2000s, and uh, went to northern Indiana and made a feature film together. We wrote it. Uh, together and, uh, went through the whole process, which was kind of like our film school. Yep. Um, and sadly haven't done a lot since then. Both kind of had our different paths. Um, but it's fun to come back together and compare notes and to talk about, you know, what we've learned and what we're going to do next. Yep. Things like that. Lots of Jamin. And Jamin. I'm here too, guys. This is like a Burdick family reunion.
1: Yeah, it's just the Burdick boys up here. Not yep. only
0: is it three Burdicks, but it's three J J. Burdicks. Burdicks. J-B initials. J-B. Yep. So uh, I had the privilege of watching Josiah's film last night. And, uh, you know, before we even get into that, I think we should just kind of talk like high level about filmmaking. Yes. Let's hear sort of your backstory in how you decided to become a filmmaker?
2: Ooh, that's a great question, Jed. It, a lot of it has to do with you actually, older brother. That's why I asked. (laughs) (laughs) You knew exactly where this was going. Um, yeah, when I was uh, about five years old, I tell a story when I was five, I was watching a movie and I knew at that time that, um, movies weren't real, but I, it dawned on me at this moment that, um, the people who were in it, there was real people who actually got to experience those movies. Um, and so I, I remember when I was five years old, I, I had this kind of revelation that was like, what's cooler than watching a movie, being in that movie? And so I've I wanted to be an actor probably since that time. I still kind of enjoy it, you know, as a, as a side. Um, but when I was about 17 years old was when I actually started pursuing film Um, and a lot of that had to do with a conversation that I had with you. Let's hear it. Yep. So we were, we were, (laughs) we were driving, uh, as we did so often, uh, to work uh, in Syracuse, New York, working for our dad. And, uh, my brother says to me, he says, do you know what the best job in the world is? I said, no, older brother. Tell me driving a milk truck. (laughs) No, he said, directing movies. And I said, yeah, Jed, but they will never let us do it. It's a closed club. It's like, we can't get in, we'll never break in. And, and that was true. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, and, sorry, <laughs> keep going. And he said, no, we'll just do it on our own. We'll do indie film. And uh, actually through that conversation and through subsequent weeks, we ended up coming up with what maybe you've talked about on the podcast before, it turned out to be indiefilmer.com Have and, and kind it? of our I don't In think our this start. origin
0: story, I talked a little bit
1: about it. A little it. bit,
2: okay,
0: yeah. yeah yeah but yes it, it's that a little
1: was, unknown history yeah a little
0: so indiefilmer.com the idea was okay so 2004 three or four we were four. like yeah we were like okay how do we get out of our day job and be filmmakers and the whole blog vlog thing wasn't even a thing no uh there were well, some before. there were some like user forums out there the dvx100 user form the yep. dvxuser.com yep And, you know, that, that was the filmmaker community, the indie filmmaker community. So you learned everything from other people who were just doing it. And sometimes they would post a link to articles they were writing or videos that they shot, but there wasn't even a place to host these videos. There was no like YouTube, like YouTube was in its infancy. No one knew of it. You couldn't just put stuff out there. Uh, So we made this site because I had made websites uh, called indiefilmer.com. Actually, before indiefilmer.com there was a different site if we really wanted to hear the story because of dvx user i convinced dad to do a business purchase and oh, buy that's right. the canon xl2 xl2 user which was the the competitor to the dvx totally and uh, i made the site the xl2.com and that was a user forum and people started talking on it. That's right. But just not enough. Yeah. And it was, I, I didn't feel good that it was so product specific. Yep. I'm like, it's, we need to go higher level and talk filmmaking and just do, I want to, we, we wanted to talk about visual effects yep. and all kinds of things we wanted to learn. Yep. Green screen, everything. 3D. And, uh, and so we did, we made that site and you know what? It grew. Yep. I remember when we left for Indiana, the last stats I looked at. Uh, was sixty thousand unique visitors per month, and it was enough to where the
1: sheesh, sheesh, yeah
0: it was enough to where the um the manufacturers and different filmmaker equipment makers whatever when we would show them the site our stats they would throw gear at us yep. for reviews oh and that was amazing even though we didn't get paid <laughs> oh, in days. money we got days. paid in gear. <laughs> And uh, and actually, that got Mark's attention. Our brother-in-law. Yep. I remember him calling me and saying, "What are you doing with this site? Right. Where are you going? You right. want to make movies? I want to make movies. Let's make a movie together." Let's, so
2: let's talk. And that, yeah. that was that was the birth of Silk Trees.
0: Yeah. So we went out to Indiana, made a movie. After that, mm-hmm. we came back here. Uh, I mean, we. Well, you did for a Eventually, while. Eventually, that's true. Uh, for di- you, you know, not right away, but a little while later, you came. New England wasn't for you. No. And you I left went a,
2: west. Two, was it two months, three months? I don't know. Yeah, three, three months. months later or
0: something. Not a great three months for you, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> sadly. And that was a really, to be honest, that was a really hard time for, uh, for me, too, because yeah. we were just trying to get our feet here. Yep. And Votary was just born. Yeah, that was startup phase for it you. It was startup phase. Wow and uh and so yeah so we kind of just like parted ways and and uh you know i kind of went the way of trying to write and build up more films but then it really went into corporate video partnerships Yep. and you've done some of that same over time yep um and then in the at, world, at a lesser scale i'll point out well <laughs> everybody's path is different yours yep. You actually spent more time teaching film to different people. That's true. Different schools. Yep. And, Overseas. Uh, and then this, and then three years ago, you made this, your first, first feature film first useless. Yeah. So how did you come up with this idea? So, so people will maybe leave the Amazon link for the film. It's called useless. Mm-hmm. It's about a girl who, uh, loses her mom and, uh, basically connects with a horse. Uh, and her passion, which is barrel racing. And um, it's worth a watch. She lost her mom, honey. She needs something to hold on to. Can he be rogue?
1: He might be all right, eventually, for trail riding or pleasure riding, but
0: for cutting, completely useless. I'm sorry you had to switch her last year. That's really tough. Um, tell me how you came into this as your first feature?
2: Great, great question. So um, to answer that, we go all the way back to um, what I reference as the Frisbin days. So I was directing oh. uh, two episodes of a kid's show that was you know, singing and dancing and colorful and puppets. And uh, we were going for a very specific market and it honestly didn't pan out at all. But through that, I made a connection with a distributor that was uh, not only family friendly, but Christian, Christian distributor. And with are this,
0: you, are you a Christian? Yes. Okay. I just got to get that out of the way.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And actually sometimes when people ask me if I'm a Christian, I'll say, I just love Jesus. I don't, titles, I don't know, but that's, that's right what on. I say. Um, so the same, the same brother-in-law that we worked with, uh, on Silk Trees, he was doing, uh, this kid's show. He was the producer on it. And so we were sitting down at a dinner in, uh, I think it was Grand Rapids, Michigan, with this distributor. And he was smart enough. He's a very intelligent guy. He was smart enough to ask the question, what movies do the best that you've distributed? And the guy's answer was, oh, without a shadow of a doubt, it's movies with girls and horses. And I said, well, define that a little bit. He's like, no, it's literally girls, horses, that's it, you know marketed towards 13 to 25 year olds, you know, it doesn't really have to be anything other than it's about a girl and a horse. And so, you know, I tucked that away. He, it wasn't directed at me, but, but I, you know, I, I ran with that. And years later, um, I was thinking, okay, I, th- I think it's time to, to dive into, into filmmaking, um, which I can actually approach, the, like, how did I come to this decision of like, making a movie on my own? Um, You want to kind of? Yeah. Okay. I'll dive into that. So, you know, I'm trying trying to make movies, trying to make movies, and, and being a Christian, being a believer, I'm really putting it to God, like, God, why is this not happening, you know? And at one point, I felt like he spoke to my heart, and he said, Josiah, I want you to make a movie. And I was genuinely angry. You heard that in your heart? I heard that in my heart. And I thought, God, it's your fault that I'm not making movies. Like, you're asking me to do this. Like, what? the you old know, blame God. Routine. Oh, every time. So I thought about it and thought about it. And I thought, well, okay, what can I, you know, what can I actually do? Um, and so I made a short film for, for nothing. Um, and a seed of an idea planted, which was, I, I find people with passion who are interested in doing this. I can find food for really cheap to nothing. I can feed them And I made this, this short film over the course of a week for, for really cheap. What could I do? What if I made a basically, what if I made a really long short film, (laughs) it's called a feature, but in the end, you know, the way you look at short films, they're, they're not terribly high production value. Typically, what if I made a a feature length film at that production level, Mm. could I actually distribute it and make money back on it? Um, and so after that short film, I decided, yeah, this is exactly it. Um, and so I was starting to look at like, what type of a story should I tell? What, what uh, genre or, or styles, you know, can I tell based on what resources do I have in front of me? And so that's when I landed on this idea of, of rodeo, because I was living in Montana, it's rodeo everywhere. It's cowboys, people, you know, tons of resources there. And ironically, I watched a, a commercial that was for uh, Chevy trucks. And I think actually you could probably find this. It was, it, it was re- Were they real actors? Or not real actors? Are real people? I don't know. It might have been. It might have been real, because it seemed really real. Um, but I was so enthralled with it, I thought I gotta make a movie like this. And it wasn't called. It was called something along the lines of "Girl in a I think it was a "Girl in Her Truck." Okay. You know, they just spun it. That's a that's a scripted one. I'm joking around because they have those. Oh really? Not re- paid re- actors. Oh, yeah. Real people. Oh like, yeah. That's I'm the their main <laughs>
0: thing. Like people are like. Anyways, keep Is going. that Chevy.
1: Yeah. Isn't it Chevy? That's Chevy. That's an important question that
2: we don't know the answer to. I'm pretty sure it's Chevy. Go Better ahead. In the show notes. So, so yeah, so I watched this commercial, and I thought, that's it. If I could make a movie that looked just like that, that'd be pretty cool. Nice. Um, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, look nearly like that, but um, it was a start, and so that's kind of how I landed on that, that whole concept. Nice. Now, how important was the commercial viability to you? Uh, let me
0: rephrase it. Yeah. Back it up. How important was your experience with us not selling <laughs> silk trees? Yeah. And not going the distance to yep. distrib- distribution. How much did that weigh on you for picking commercially viable project?
2: You know, uh, I would say it was 100% because I, I hadn't just done uh, silk trees where we didn't quite get it into distribution. Did quite didn't at all um also with this this you know kids show called the flizbins also not commercially viable two strikeouts you know i was a hundred percent focusing on commercial viability and uh because of that i began with the end in mind and i approached that same distributor who said oh yeah movies with girls and horses and uh, i approached him first before i even approached investors uh let's give a punchline to our audience
0: who are probably wondering this right now is it making any money? Yes, it is. Really? It's not in
2: the black yet, um, but it's on track to be. In in that's awesome. In by one, the end of the by the end of the year. What's in that? one quarter. Um, by the end of. Uh, Q, well, yeah, by the end of Q four this year, we should easily be, be in the You'll black. be making money. Your yeah. investors will be paid. and Paid then you'll back. Make- I I was one of the top investors. I put about twenty five k in. Uh what was the film budget? 45,000. 45,000. We started well the true budget was 20. Um but you know creep <laughs> happens. Sheesh. Did you did you have contingency cash for none. 100% creep? None. We had none of it. We had about 20,000 in the wait, bank.
1: Wait wait wait, what's that? Well he just said
0: that the budget was 20 and we in the oh, and creep. we got it, yeah, got it. it went You're to 40. Got yeah, okay. It's so, like hey let's raise double the amount of funds <laughs> that the
2: you, you know, yeah it, classic. again, I, I point to God and my faith is saying, you know, we had the 20,000 miraculously, um, as we continued in post-production and more and more money was spent. Um, I, at that time had a really great client who was basically just kept paying me great jobs, um, one after the other. And that money just went right at the door, <laughs> paying other people, which is fantastic. I was really happy.
0: Um, what, uh. What was the timeline for raising the funds and how did you go about that process?
2: So, um, I used this letter of intent from the distributor, um, to approach, uh, a few people who were either friends or family, um, people that I thought would be open to talking about it. Um, and also people who uh, wouldn't, you know, hurt if they never got their money back basically. And that was upfront. Hey, look at, you know, there's high risk in this. Um, Think of it as a gift and maybe you'll actually you know get an roi on this um and i only approached gosh let me think i only approached two people and the other three of the investors that i have i have five investors they approached me nice which was really incredible um and you know, a couple of times they approached me, and I said, "Hey, you don't even know the terms. You're just saying you I said want in. No, yeah, yeah. Don't want your money. You Actually, said one time, no. It, one, one, of them, they were so into it that I was like, where's the catch? <laughs> mm-hmm. What, not, what do you want? You know, where, what am cash? I missing? Yeah, <laughs> what am I missing? How here? did you get that money? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I it's need to get rid
0: money. of this money real quick right now. I'll give you a dollar. And you give me back like." Two, three cents. cents? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, when you were all in on the concept,
2: how long was the script writing process? And uh, what did that look like for you? So when, when I had the first investor who said yes, I was like, then it's game on. Because oh, so one investor one is investor for you to then about 3000, right? Yep. About nice. 3000 committed. Nice and um my attitude at the time and I, I really credit the attitude more than anything else for well god obviously but attitude second um as what accomplished or what really pulled this movie together and and it was that i had an attitude that says i'm going to make a film i'm going to have a script and we're going to shoot it whether it's me and my a7s2 alone or whether i have a crew it doesn't matter this is happening and people caught that it was contagious they caught it they sensed it and everybody lined up who who you know not too many resources in montana honestly what resources i found they were like i want in nice maybe that was to your advantage because it's not hollywood town yep
0: so people are like this sounds fun sounds cool meaningful yep um when okay you didn't tell me the timeline from the start of uh fade in to of locked script what was that
2: You know, I I wrote from roughly middle of January until July, aiming to start shooting in August. (laughs) Two words a day? Yeah, yeah, two words a day. I'm just kidding. So, but I had three revisions. And they were fast. They were fast revisions. Now, if you do watch the movie, you will say, yo, yes, they were very fast revisions. It, you know, one thing that I'm not too proud of is the writing. I feel like the writing could have been much stronger. I could have had a better hook um, than what I did have. That's interesting. And so. What would you do? That is like, really interesting. What would your process be? Um,
0: and just cut me off when you want to, Jamin. Um, I'm just fascinated by this. It's
2: I'm learning a lot. If you were yeah. cool. going to do
0: it again, what would you do differently? Yeah, I think they f- will do it again.
2: The so. f- the first thing is to write the script as I want it and to focus on that as its own thing. At that time, I basically was writing the script as if it was, you know, my runway in front of me. Mm. You know, I w- I knew we were filming and I had to get this done. Now, that was great cuz it lit a fire under me and I got it done. Um, but You know, this time around, what I really like is the idea of getting a a script that I I don't have a ton of time pressure on. I have my own pressure, Mm -hmm. but, you know, submitting it to friends, people who I really trust, getting their honest feedback, really, really stress testing it, um, locking it and then going into production. Then beginning pre-pro. Here's a tough question. Sure. Um,
0: Do you have any sense that. And, and I swear to God, this isn't a leading question. Okay. <laughs> hit me. Um, do you have any sense that your determination to pick a commercially viable project detracted from your engagement in the script writing story or like your personal, That's a pretty interesting question. Your a personal question. interest
2: yeah. in the story. You, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. That is exactly what happened. I put so little. Stock in the necessity of the script being good, that I almost phoned it in. And and that's I, a
0: that's a big thing to admit for your first freaking film, Josiah. Yeah, sorry, Jed. No, no, I'm saying it's a good, it's a, it's honest. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect that, and I didn't think that was the case.
2: Well, I, and that's not to say that I I'm didn't. disappointed. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, <laughs> my little brother. <laughs> I'm ashamed. I didn't start him in (laughs) filming. It's not my result. No, it's not to say that I didn't work hard on it. I worked really hard on it. Yeah. But I just didn't have this burning uh, idea that said, this has to be an amazing script. Mm. I just, what I thought was, no, just write something fun. Just write something fun, easy. We're going to crank this out. We're going to move on to the next one. Don't spend too much time.
0: Well, to your credit, there's a value in that and there's a value in just executing and getting something done. Yeah. Like I often, when we are criticizing films around here, I often will speak up, and I criticize films too. But mm-hmm. I'll like throw a caveat out there or something. I'm like, finishing the film is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's huge.
1: That that cuts you out from, I don't know, the stat. And and
0: nine People out of ten. Most people 99%, don't know it. Yeah. Like a lot of people just don't, the average person who's not a filmmaker just doesn't un, don't understand how difficult it is to take it from concept all the way through to finish. That's true. And so many just fail. And there's a lot of emotions. And, and
1: there's also something really fascinating about the collaborative nature of it too because you can do something like write a book by yourself. Like right. maybe it takes you 20 years. Right. And you right. just c- come all back by to yourself. it, you know,
0: great point but
1: but a film like there's so many people relying on
0: you yeah and so that's it's just such a well and uh, people so many people to align yeah like if you yeah
1: under the same vision
0: if you have the a certain group especially your leaders Mm -hmm. your department heads yeah that don't have the same vision as you it might go badly it might get the whole thing might be pretty disjointed true so I think that's a good segue. Huge props to yeah, you. Yeah. Thank Congratulations you. on finishing. Finishing. That's and a good segue into asking like the, the, to differentiate the roles, like what you, what did you learn in terms of differentiation between the roles of like writer, producer, director, and uh, editor? Yeah. Uh, I know you didn't edit it solely. Solely. But, no. Um, just talk to, talk to me a little bit about um, what you learned about those roles.
2: Yeah. Um, well, starting with writing, um, I, I feel like uh, the number one thing I learned with that is to, to really focus on the, the essence of the idea first to try to create um, much more of a story drive. I mean, we learned this on Silk Trees to some extent. I feel like I learned it really more on this one to, to make sure that there's a real narrative drive that is um, really embedded in, in the seed of, of, the, of the idea from the beginning. Because you, you just won't create the most entertaining story without that to begin with. And, and you can write and delete pages for, you know, for infinity. You know? um, so that was the biggest thing I learned as a, as a writer. And also, you, you, know, you just gotta do the work. They say writing is butt in chair, fingers on keyboard, typing madly. Just do it. Um, and so learning that was, was really big. I had my, my routines and my, my coffee shops. And, You know, I was a regular at a lot of places. Oh yeah.
1: That's how you got the movie done. That's
2: how you got it done. That's great. Yeah. That's great that you keyed in on that. Yep.
0: Um, How, so that's kind of like writer producer. What about, well, yeah, you know, definitely writer with producer. Like you shared some of the producing. That's a whole other hat. Yeah. Yeah. You shared some of the, the producing uh, (laughs) responsibility with our
2: sister, right? Yes. With charity charity um it's amazing our whole family we have a lot of this film gene and she's wanted to make films for for forever and so i approached her i said i need someone who um is a high level producer who can do the things that i can't because being a, a writer director producer is a lot um and she she killed it she really killed it she did a great job um, but she also, I will, I will pat myself on the back. She also would say to me all the time, Josiah, I did a good job. Cause you produced the heck out of it before I even showed up. Nice. Um, and a lot of that just comes down to knowing that whatever you write on the page has to actually happen. And if you producing, isn't hard, it's, it's, it seems weird. Like what is a producer, if you don't have a project in front of you that needs to be accomplished, as, as soon as you see that and know what it is, then it's so easy. It's like, well, what do I have to get, you yeah. know? in order to, to show that visual. The script is like the recipe. Yep. And
0: the producer's like going to the grocery store and getting all the ingredients. Absolutely. Oh, I've that's never a heard good that analogy. analogy. That's and absolutely Did you just make it. that up on the spot? I did in that <laughs> moment and <laughs> the director's the yeah. chef. Well, write that down in together. your book right Direct now. Is the
1: chef. Copyright that.
0: And the consumer is the person that eats the food. Ooh. Stop. And oh, this and is getting good, meta. Too good.
2: Getting meta now.
1: How's the food taste, by the way? <laughs> depends on the recipe. Yeah,
2: it really does. Useless. <laughs> oh, but but the right, if the, the right
1: if the uh, you know, if the person that went to the grocery store didn't get the right ingredients, it's not going to taste screwed.
2: good. It's too much cayenne pepper. Yep. Um I can tell when you when you yeah, go ahead. Directing. Um I realized that 90% of directing is just uh, really effective leadership. Excellent communication, which is necessary in every um, you know, leadership position. Um, and then ten percent is that that actor coach thing that comes mm-hmm. out. You you can't act for them. You can't do it for them. That's that's all them. Um, but you can coach them. You can coach them as effectively as as possible. Did to, you say? Can you make that ten percent more angry <laughs> or like sexier? Yeah.
0: <laughs> How did you direct? I'm just kidding around, but how did you direct?
2: So, my my style that I've landed on so far, I'm I'm still on a journey learning it, um, honestly, and I I try to read um Directing Actors by Judith Weston as often as humanly possible, and I probably only get 3 mm. chapters in, and then I have to stew on it for 6 months, and then I forget what I read and I have mm. to read 3 chapters again. I love that. So nice. <laughs> So the way I just landed on it for this project was I feel like we all as humans are some of the most insecure people ever and I think the actors even more so because they're they're right in front of a camera they're just you know so vulnerable yeah and so the way that I try to direct is with encouragement I try to encourage people into confidence and authenticity Um, and I just talk to them about what I'm seeing and and I encourage every every ounce of good that I'm seeing and after a while I, I just I try to help people calm down I try to get them into a rhythm. I, I, you know, I may not give too many critiques because I, I think you can really spoil things, spoil the process for them. Um, and then I, I try to trick people. <laughs> I try to tell them oh, that we're, it's we're already, gonna. it's all done. And I learned this from my older brother. This is a oh, secret. I, saw I, saw him, I saw him on, on Silk Trees so many times he'd say, we've got it. It's in the can. Now, whatever you want, just settle into it. How often did that work? Every time you're welcome yes thank, <laughs> thank you Jed. sage wisdom
1: um no. we're gonna have to cut that part out though <laughs> because that's that's Please? secret bird exhaust <laughs> only i get total to hear that like
2: one. exposure moment for me just kidding um no it's true though it he, works people once they realize the pressure's off then the most authentic you know version of their performance comes out
0: it's really great when like you say you got it and you really didn't get it and then their post performance you didn't get it then either like, <laughs> i
1: guess we're moving guess on because <laughs> uh, we got it yeah. okay we got it and we still got it
2: and we still got it it's you still know, <laughs> the can I, I notoriously though i am so authentic myself it, they all would learn me and they could hear it in my tone when i'd say cut, print, that was it. They were like, oh, yes, they get jazzed. The whole room would get amped. I'd say, cut, um, yeah, print, print, print. Well, yeah, we're moving. So that's You're a like, good question. <laughs> so decide, did we really get it?
0: With a micro-budget film like this, you really don't have typically a lot of days budgeted. Um, Correct. How did you decide, like how often were you deciding to move on as opposed to continue to try to? draw blood from a stone.
2: You know, my AD uh Sydney Rizal, she she was she's awesome. Legend. She was fantastic. Good old Sydney. Yes, she did a really great job. Looking um, forward to meeting her. Her number one trait was never stress me out. She's I said I turned her all, all the time I'd say, "Sydney, how much time we got?" Said, we got time. We got time. I'm like, oh, okay. We'll, do, we'll go again. Um she's the one that's tricking you. <laughs> she was. <laughs> she directed you. Yeah, but um yeah. Oftentimes I could feel it. And even, even when she was as chill as she was, I knew it. I was like, we got to move on. We're, we're way too tight. Cause I, I produced enough to know how yep. tight our days were. And so it was almost always, it was six or seven takes and we're done. We're moving on fire. Sydney. Um, <laughs> no. um when you
0: finished principal photography, how difficult did you find it to start the editing process?
2: Well, I remembered Silk Trees and how it was difficult. I remembered that. That was locked into my brain. And so I told myself I'm going to take some time to relax. I'm going to take two weeks, and then I'm just going to dive in. And the reality was I was so burned out I couldn't do it. I was really burnt. Uh, crispy, you could say. And um, I took maybe all the way until from July to October, and I edited. 20 minutes of the film over that time it was like pulling teeth i just did you forced feel myself. guilty so guilty so guilty and uh yeah just was it was a struggle and then i had this idea i thought you know i need help i need to reach out and i had a friend uh a crew um over in in idaho a group of friends really great people they had come over and helped me uh at a great you know length uh for free <laughs> Great people um, on my film, and they were working towards their film, and so I reached out to to one of them, their their number one editor, he, young guy, and just asked him, um, "Hey, do you want to do you want to edit this? Do you want to handle this as for experience?" And uh, he totally he he dove in. He said, "Yep, just for the experience, I'll do it," um, which was hugely generous of him. Um, and he edited from basically mid October to Christmas, and he had a full edit in that amount of time. He's insanely fast. Hmm. Um, from that, I, I had a lot of things that I was like, no, that's that's not quite my vision. This is maybe not quite uh, as good as it could possibly be. I know that, you know, you can do too much editing and, and try to over polish something, but there's a lot that you can improve in the edit. And so I, I stuck there's with so it. Much. Um, but, he, you know, he gave me a shot in the arm um, because he gave me uh, a palette, you know, to work with. And uh, from that, I was able to hone and, and shift and, and really bring down to a certain extent. And so from basically December until April, I was editing.
0: That sounds right. Yeah. When we did Silk Trees, it was like a solid straight six months of editing. Yep. You I, I want to hear something? For the three-hour version. I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Well, Silk Trees, uh, who jumped into the editing first?
0: Caleb, Caleb Curlin Caleb our friend uh oh and we actually just recently reconnected, reconnected. and he he uh Dude's he dope. is he's the main editor okay. I sat with him every day yep for six months gotcha. yep. it wasn't uh I come in and review edits it was we were editing jointly we're editing. yeah yeah. Yep. yeah he was the hands and you were he was the hands and I was like ideas 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 yeah then god bless him he really oh could, he works to so try hundred he was able to execute on ideas and that's pretty cool. He was able to feel what I was going for when I would describe stuff. And that was, that's, spe- that's really special. Cause a that lot, ta- awesome. lot of times you're reviewing scenes and you don't, you know, you don't want to be like, yeah, it's just not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that's when the worst. When you're actually no, in, w- yeah, I would never do that. But the yeah. point is that's what you're feeling when right, you're right, sitting right. there. That it's very different though, when you're sitting there with them, and you're experiencing all the different takes and the mm-hmm. ideas together, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sure every different director, editor dynamic duos have different processes and that's great. But that one worked really well for us. And then I did some polish editing mm-hmm. and then it went to Michael Whistler. Yep, okay. Who did a finish edit. Yep. And he, a lot of what Whistler did was uh trim and cut down yep. and see. cut out scenes yep. and um in some cases he improved some of the timing uh there was a t- there was a take where or a cut where he went um too far yep. had to come back and i actually think that's, that's really good process yeah to, yeah to compare and
2: contrast yep. that's it, pretty take it too far and then very, dial it back that's yeah. with color correction i do that i want to hear like more oh, too much back it up uh well, i i i i want to ask you uh, a question it, it, to go ahead, <laughs> Joey. Jed, tell me when you first saw the the full running edit of Silk Trees first cut. Did you feel sick to your stomach? No, I didn't. I felt like
0: you Not did. A hack. You did? <laughs> no. I I felt I felt um, multiple different feelings. Many emotions. It was a three hour cut, and so all of this stuff that I wrote on the page that I believed would be beautiful, which we put into the the rough, which we put into the assembly. Yeah. Was like not nearly as va- so, so much of it was not nearly as valuable in, in for mm. the, for the viewer. Right. And so I had to rethink a lot of it. And that even included characters. Yep. And dialogue, oh and yeah, all this what I believed would be important. It'd be exposition. fascinating
1: to watch. I don't know if you have that anywhere. The don't first, think so. I, I,
2: I hope three-hour cut. <laughs> but I that. Hope what a study for, that would be it f- it to show study. other. people. It is a study. You know? it's a, it Love was. It.
0: it was pretty amazing. We yes. cut a whole character out of the movie. Yep. Um, we cut so much, so many scenes and bits of dialogue. We did this thing where you know because I was the first time. Um, writer we were first time writers uh, script writers there was a lot of questions that were answered in the script and that nobody they, was asking there were no i mean literal yeah. characters were asking questions and someone would answer and uh, you don't have to answer yes so in the edit we you know there was we would start to wow. just not answer them and then move on yep and it was way better yeah so like stuff like that the the point is the round trip from the writing through the editing yeah, we're talking about was the really key learning cycle. Yeah. And I'm sad for writers that don't get to do the editing. Right. Wow. And, I'm s- and I'm sad for editors that don't write. That don't write. Because that's Stop the powerful that. That hurts. start writing. Ouch. Chat, chat. I'm right over here. Yeah. Jamin, got to start writing.
1: I've been told that like three times recently.
0: Well, you're about to take on do it. original content at Votary. Stay mm. tuned. Stay tuned. Hey, um before I move on to yeah. other questions, yeah. wanna hear an editor editing idea that I'm gonna try Please. on the next feature. Please. Um, I'm gonna have three editors in a silo, siloed from each other. And Jed. There's the script. I can already see where this is going. This is genius. There's the script and they they each have a task to edit the scene to the script and then edit the scene and, and they're going to, gonna, they're going to do it the, the, the day after dailies. Right. So they're all going to be editing and, while yeah. we shoot. Um, and then they're going to edit the scene with a gamified thought of like beat the script. Yes. In mind. Yes. Look through every single take and every and outside the box ideas yep. and just try to beat the script with with the, with that take and then I'll have six finished versions of the scene of the scene that is insane to view and it'll in many cases it'll be scenes that flow into other scenes it's transitions right. too it's not so, just scenes do you, and do I'm you, stoked on this
2: Yeah dude do you envision this uh final film when you go to watch this is is this going to be a patchwork of all may the best scene win well what I'm thinking is, sense? what I'm
0: thinking is, and, and, you know, people will people say, oh, your voice is going to change and it's going to be all over here. And I will tell, I, I think that I think if it works, it works and we'll feel it. And the ultimate assembly of the best choices is where I'll probably tweak as a director. Like, oh, what about this? And this, yeah. and this as opposed to the assembly of the best scene, right. which is the way we did before. And I'm interested in trying this out. I I don't know if it'll be better or worse than the last thing, but I'm keen on trying it.
2: You know, I I listened to this podcast, um, Art of the Cut, I think it's called. And I was listening to these guys talking about how they were editing, you know, tens of of hours. I think it was like 40 hours of footage for Deadliest Catch uh, per episode. Mm. And um, they were talking about how they would edit in tandem and then they would show each other their edits and they would critique for each other. And so it was wow. almost this this collaboration, this round table of editors. Yeah. So so another approach could be instead of in a silo, you actually have them well, tackling Yeah,
0: yeah. No, they were only in a silo until I view. Yeah. Then they view too. Yeah, perfect. I love it. So it's genius. They're not they just can't Per each I, scene? For each scene. I don't want them to compare notes until I see it and we all watch it yeah, together. It'll, yeah. be, it'll be a little brain trust watch Super cool. of each scene.
1: It's a lot of time. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. Wow.
2: Right film. Worth I mean, it for the...
0: I mean, it's two extra employees. So you're spending that money. Right. But I, I think you could argue with how important the editor's style is and editor ideas are Um, that you will have a better film. Now, I actually think it's going to be important to shoot a lot of, shoot a percentage more of options. Sure. Yeah. To make that. that work. Like, yep. hey, we have this idea. We've <clears throat> budgeted the time to try that stuff out. That's, that's kind of why I'm talking about it is because the project that I want to do next, if it is the next one that I want to do, is going to have a lot of improv. Yeah. And so that's why I think these multiple versions are so important. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. I think it's great. Next question. Would you, uh, well, let me first ask about the casting and crewing process. Sure. Did you, was, was it mostly just about the budget? Like who, who's the best I can get for X or was it, um, you know,
2: try to find the best and just talk them into it or (laughs) in let's about the crew. Let's start there. Um, Well, I mean, that's a big city mentality in Montana. You have one option. Okay. And talking them into it was the task. Good answer. Yeah. What about casting? Same thing. Really similar. Um, But I can say, you know, we really lucked out because we, we spread it through our networks. We did an open casting call, of course, which we did on silk trees. Um, We came up with a couple characters actually from that, which was fantastic um you mean people that were in silk trees
0: came over there or what do you mean also
2: true we did on silk trees we, oh you we mean the it, open, casting yeah, open call? yeah okay, open casting okay, call okay. put it in the newspaper and people show up for hours you know they just cycle through and do readings um so it was successful we came up with a couple characters with that but yeah what what happened was um we did a, sh- a viewing of silk trees and this actor mark brassich who was in silk trees who was just a legend he's the goat he is um he saw that that we did a viewing in montana and he said if i'd have only known i would have come up there for this wow i I thought oh my god i would have totally if i only knew that you wanted to and that planted an idea in my i thought well maybe he'll come up to make another movie (laughs) if he's you know he's He's good enough i'd love to work with him again oh yeah without a doubt um retired air force colonel and so Um, just the coolest guy ever, but, um, yeah, he, he ended up helicopter pilot. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The, the cool story. And I don't know if you know this, Jed, but you got to hear this, this, he, he showed up on set wearing a Carhartt jacket that looked more than authentic. And if you go, if you watch the movie ever again, I doubt it, but if you ever watch it again, you can see the Carhartt jacket he wears is all ragged at the, at the cuffs Because when we cast him in Silk Trees, which was kind of a fluke that he was in there because he's from Colorado, um, we said to him, you got the part, um, you you need to supply your own wardrobe because that's what we're doing, and you need, for the character, Carhartt jacket. He said, what the heck's a Carhartt jacket? He had no clue. So he went out and bought one, and he wears it in the film. He then ends up going for quite a few years. He goes and uh, works as a... a hunting guide actually owns the company and, and does this hunting guide as his, I think it's his third career in his life or something crazy like this. And he wears that jacket every day and it really got, you know, tattered and worn. And so when he showed up on set on useless, he said, guess what jacket this is? And I, I couldn't believe it. He, it's the same jacket that was in silk trees.
0: That's amazing. Is that cool? I had no idea. Yeah. Thanks Mark. Yeah. Um, wait, can you, um, Can you tell
2: the story of how you found your lead yeah um that was kind of crazy that was uh yeah it's kind of miraculous actually um when i was working on the screenplay you know obviously the lead is a as a girl who does barrel racing and i felt in my heart like god spoke to me and said there's a girl in this valley who not only is a barrel racer, because there's plenty of girls who are barrel racers, but one that can act as well. And I kind of rejected the idea. As soon as it popped into my head, I thought, that's ridiculous. And I couldn't quite shake it. It just kind of kept running around in my brain. And so then I told my sister, Charity, who's producing, I said, I think there's a girl, I think God told me this. I think there's a girl in the valley who can do both things. Mm. She said, that's crazy. Well, you know, I, I end up, crossing paths with this girl, Brooke, and because I wanted to research what it would be like to be a 17-year-old, or in her case, 19-year-old, um, who, you know, was a barrel racer, who was passionate about this sport. And so we sat down and talked, and the more we talked, I thought, man, this girl's got so much confidence. It was really incredible, which, you know, I think 90% of acting is just confidence and projecting. And so at one point, I said to her, hey, do you act? And she's, oh, I don't know, you know, really, you know, well, why, why don't you come in and audition? You know, I don't think so. You know? And so later, you know, as we're really into the casting phase, um, I said to charity, I think it's Brooke. I think Brooke is the person that I had on my radar. I didn't even, didn't even know about it. And charity's like, I don't know. That sounds ridiculous. Why don't we just, you know, we'll just have her come in and read and then we'll know. And so we said, Hey, why don't you just come in and read for the small part? Um, because you know that's easy and she said okay and then later charity followed up and said hey you know since you're already coming in why don't Always you read for the lead <laughs> i think oh. we're hey, seeing a pattern hey a little yeah, bit, quite the pattern a little bit of psychology goes a long ways <laughs> so she came in and read for it and and genuinely she killed it she killed it she she uh, read for one of the tougher scenes which required some tears she had real tears uh, on her face that day And I I mean I think I got shivers I just was like This is it That's great Yeah That's pretty cool Yeah And she's
0: a good writer She's incredible I was impressed with that
1: That's the thing that Kind of Takes the film to another level Right Is yeah. that authenticity of These are people who Are actually doing the thing You you didn't have to cast Stunt doubles
0: Right Yeah That I, was amazing I Have to say yes the story is simple and the the you were describing earlier like a short film stretched out um and you know it does have that vibe however the i think a big redeeming thing is that you really do love watching these people ride yeah you know it's it's, such a strength it is a strength it's like it's eye candy every single time you watch them ride and you're like i'm not even a rider, and i'm like look at them Yeah. yeah They're just like hovering in the seat. Yep. Seems like they could be like carrying a glass of water or something.
2: Um, Tremendous balance. I I can tell you another quick story. Um, She showed up with her own horse. She has a a few horses to choose from. And so we cast her horse. I asked her specifically which one she wanted. And she picked the blue roan, which is one of the most beautiful horses out there. If you ever read Louis L'Amour, every character has a blue roan. Uh, It's just notoriously beautiful. And uh, so we ended up with this beautiful horse. And... um, happy accident you know i don't know if our viewers are familiar with the happy accident term but we had one happen where you know in the story this horse is they call it blown up he's he's been overworked to the point where it's kind of like a animal's nervous breakdown if you will and um we had to kind of get this result of the first few rides that he's you know unrideable almost um how are we going to do that I didn't even think we could accomplish. Just let's just get some riding in there. Well, happy accident was that that horse ended up sitting for the first two days of filming in a stall. And that's a high energy working horse. And he was pissed mm. at her. They have this bond they said they have a relationship. And so he started bucking, uh, right when we went to film. And so and we is filmed. that the spinning? Yes. Because I had a note here. That was my next <laughs> note to ask you nice. about that
0: where I'm like, was that an accident and you totally were able accident. to get it? And she's like handling yep. this horse like acting up. But it was part of the story, so I was like, Oh shoot, did they do something that got the horse to do? No,
2: that? no. And and that's lucky. It was it was lucky. It was it was a very happy accident.
1: Easy. <laughs> Easy.
2: and uh it it worked out really well in fact if you hear the the nat sound on that take you can hear me like talking over top of the take being like easy easy you know we're all nervous for her like careful brooke you know you okay you know she kind of gets him under control and then continues the scene well it was perfect we couldn't have asked for a better
0: take the um, old the old uh, saying is like double or triple your time whatever if you're working with animals right, and kids right did you experience that never so it was easy
2: to work with animals is that because it was montana and everybody was used to animals yeah we actually had a horse wrangler on set for a good bit of it to make sure that we had somebody who that was their job uh especially to keep sure you know make sure that everything was safe um because you know her brooke acting we don't want her to have to have that responsibility it wasn't hard for her at all i mean it's, it's like um it comes so naturally she's done it since she was a little child and um everybody her everybody on on set they were champs because they were so skilled in this it's it's normal for them um so yeah we really lucked out there nice um i noticed that you
0: had a a st- state university plug
2: yeah. They were a sponsor. They were. So, um Sydney's husband Eric, who who's also a champ, he took on as associate producer bringing on all of our sponsors. And so we had Carhartt. Um we had Outback, um which is a clothing company, not the steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh I'm trying to think of all oh, Rand's Hats, which is a legendary the two um hats that were written in we got those donated from rand's hats uh those are incredible hats and they're expensive very about a thousand dollars a piece um which i mean maybe a thousand dollars doesn't sound like a lot of money but sounds like a a lot for a hat a lot for a hat custom made uh with with the name you know put inside the, the sweatband really incredible so yeah and then msu came on board um and it wasn't really a scratch your back, we'll scratch yours kind of a thing. We just came up with this idea because they were so generous with us. Generous how? Um, they donated some money towards the film. What percentage? Um, I don't have a percentage. Um, the, the, the pitch that we gave them, um, I actually don't even know if this is public information, but I don't think it matters, that we pitched them on basically buying some equipment um, that we would use on the film. And so then it, they would
0: have it for them? Like no, they would own
2: it no oh nope hey buy this gear for us yes and we'll and we'll we'll use it we'll increase this yeah and we'll plug you and uh they were super generous with that they said yeah we, we believe in this is it easier to do that with gear than money you know i, I honestly don't know i think they would have done it no matter what but gotcha. i think in this instance um it was something that i i portioned that gear for, as payment for my associate producer, um, to make sure that he was actually going to get paid for what he did. So it was a a little bit circular kind of a move, but it ended up being, you know, as with all the legwork that he did, uh, it worked out advantageously for everybody.
0: Hmm. When you think about doing things differently the next time you touched a little bit about writing, what are some other areas that you, what, what are some other things that
2: you'd change or will change the next time around? Ooh, I I think uh, the biggest thing that I learned or or would like to change next time around is is to not wear too many hats. Um, I think that's what burned me out uh, pretty bad, and and also you lose your taste. You lose you, you know as the director, you, that's that's your that was number COVID. one thing. I <laughs> can't taste. It. Um, so yeah, I think I think wearing too many hats, hiring more people to do more. I I don't think I'll sit down and edit. Uh, if at all I can help it ever again I love editing um, short form projects but I, I don't want to do a feature as the sole person it's riding on again um, would you say you're
1: introverted as well yes so that's a lot of output from you to have to direct people for 30 days was it like 30 days 20
2: 23 with two pickups so 24 or 26 uh what's that five but just that can
1: i do math? that pressure on you of and i also don't remember how the crew is also around 20 around 20 yeah yeah so 20 people all looking to you every day for 20 something days yes
2: that was a that was a drain yeah that definitely contributed to burnout and
1: then you know additionally all of the creative thinking and yep. you know having to problem solve every single thing
2: yep but honestly i i look back on those days and they, they're so happy to me yeah i i actually got revved up during that time like it felt energetic that's uh, pretty cool yeah as as compared so it felt, to just it didn't feel it as time. draining no i i honestly think it was the the long slug of i i, I spent 50 days in puerto rico um shooting a documentary down there and then went straight from that into pre and I think it was those two combined and then rolling into the to the 23 days that oh that's wow. what did it. And then going straight out of that into more corporate commercials
1: yeah
0: want to ask you about a couple scenes or yeah. maybe comment on a couple scenes yeah. there's one scene um, these aren't spoilers, but no problem. It's not much of a
2: spoiler type movie.
0: Three quarters of the way through the film, there's a moment uh, where a, uh, a main central character has a problem, and uh, he's driving a truck and he goes off the road. Yep. And I noticed that there's a character that comes and calls like for an
2: ambulance. Who was that? That was me. As as uh, my cameo. What? Candy-o. Oh, ah. Uh. <laughs> nice job! Yeah, thank that you. It was a nice little cameo. It it uh, was not planned.
1: There was one part I of that to shot you that, about that. that you know that character kind of looks over his shoulder. That was like the blue steel, you know.
2: Steel <laughs> yes, I know
0: that's, that. I show. know. I noted it. Yeah. Um, but no, seriously, uh, that was fun to see you on screen. But then thank also, you. I wanted to say, um, when when that. Scene happen and this, this moment happened with your one of your main characters. Yeah. You also had this, you know, other moment where like in the stables where the birds fly up. Yeah. And it was timed. Uh, and I thought that was nicely, nicely shot, nicely timed. Thank so you. Kudos on that. Thank you much. Um couple tech questions for our techie
2: listeners. Yep. What was the shot on? Uh, that was shot on the red epic with the helium sensor. So we shot it so mostly 8K. 8K, yeah, and and I had a lot of friends who were like, "You don't need 8K, you're an idiot." And I was like, "I don't care, I want the full sensor. I I don't want to crop this in. I want super 35." Was that a date? Was did that end up being a data hog? It's, it it actually amazingly was not that bad. Not too bad. Um, we compressed it. I believe it was eight to one. Okay. Um, which was no problem at all. I saw no compression artifacts ever. Um, And I did end up zooming and panning on a few few scenes few shots Uh, Had some crew members show up in some shots. I had to get rid of (laughs) Uh, So just you know pan scan. Yep. Get them out of there Uh, worked out well and uh, Audio how'd you handle audio? Yeah, we shot that all on a zoom f4 majority was a was boom overhead over the NTG three um, and then we had some DPA wireless labs that we also ran and those, those 4060s, um, you know, typical film is 4061s. We had the 4060s. They're great. I love them. They sound really good, but they'll never compete with a good boom. Um, even that NTG3 is not my favorite. You know, I'd rather have a, a DPA, uh, or Sheps, ooh, um, but yeah, it, it's fantastic and, Really, in the end, I can be like a kind of a gear snob. I think we inherited that from dad. Probably. He loves the best. But in the end, I realized, oh, my gosh, it doesn't matter. Just make your movie. Yeah, and make it good. Yep.
0: Wow. Um, I I want to say congratulations on Thank you, making the film. Thank you. And I'm proud of you. Um, it a huge, It's a lot to learn when you take it all the way through. And uh, you're in the club, bro. Thanks, man. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, wh- what's next for you? Where are you going from here?
2: Yeah, so um, I want to transition to full-time film, not not just, uh, you know, doing the corporate thing. I'll t- I'm taking gigs as often as possible because I still need the money, you know. <laughs> I'm not making anything off this movie yet. Um, but I I think I'm pretty close. And, and my goal this summer actually is to shoot uh, a teaser or a sizzle reel you'd call it um, for uh, unscripted drama um, called Montana Legends. And uh, I kind of pitch it as uh, chef's table style where you you dig into a character, you tell their story uh, with some really cinematic visuals over top, great interviews. I, I love running interviews with people. It's one of my favorite things to do. And so my goal is to go travel around Montana this summer um and uh, interview some really cool people and put together a sizzle reel to to pitch, uh, some networks. Nice. Um, what's your target duration on the on the episode? Uh, about episode? forty to forty-five, kind of that yeah. that classic broadcast length. Um, and what about writing? Uh,
0: in terms of next feature or anything like that, you working on anything? Or? Yeah,
2: yeah. I uh sat down. I. Had, had, was really blessed actually to sit down with a relatively famous producer and he gave me his own advice, which is, you know, making movies is great, but you really gotta just write your way in. Focus on your writing. Um, And so I took that to heart and I've been working on a project that I'm really excited about and where for Useless I feel like I, I didn't just tackle that story structure this is the complete opposite i'm going after story uh plotting characters uh all of it with with everything inside of me uh, to the extent that if i just sell it as a screenplay i'd be okay with that as its own artistic thing that's interesting to me because i don't know that i've ever felt that feeling
0: where i'm like i'm i i'm going to write this as good as i possibly can write it and and possibly even sell the script for me i'm always like
1: Too personal, right? Like yeah, yeah, I don't, I can't imagine.
0: I can't imagine not making it. Yeah, so that's fascinating. That's kind of just like a difference between, and that's great.
2: And and really, in the same way that making useless um, was really focused on um, the business side of things, I feel similarly with the script that if I can get it um, into any awards, um, get any sort of notoriety, and then any any representation off of it. Um, obviously my goal would be to direct it. I would love to direct it. Um, but I'm open to it because I know it could be a means to an end. It might be a little bit, little bit disappointing, a little heartbreaking. Jamin, you got anything else?
1: Yeah.
0: One
2: question. Hit me.
1: If it was shot in 8K, why
2: is it so blurry? (laughs) That would be his fault. Just kidding. Jamin,
0: what did what did you do on, on the film?
1: Just first AC, pulling focus and missing all my shots. <laughs> um, but no, all. it was really, really fun and I learned so much. And I mean not to get sappy, but I uh definitely learned everything about filmmaking from both of you. That's oh, wow. amazing. Everything. That's amazing. And so I I you know it's just really privileged to be here and to like I mean, starting from you're talking about Flisbins. I was a um, intern intern on Flisbins. That's right. Uh there was a time where in my home schooling <coughs> you were giving me technical film class. That's right. It was like once a week or something. Yeah. One-on-one teaching me how a camera works. Yeah. And all that. So and then th- from there, you know, eventually interned at Votary. So it's just I'm really thankful. It's really cool. Both yeah. of you guys and be able to see, you know, um, the journeys because neither of you are done either. So it's so a lot of fun to be just, a part of the whole thing.
2: Just getting going. Yeah. I, I have to say having Jamin on set was awesome. It was really like, you know, family is really tight. So I had, I had Charity and I had Jamin and I felt like that gave me a certain level of backbone. Um, There's a few times I had some kind of uh, run-ins with crew. Fun stuff. Yeah, some not fun stuff. And uh I always just felt like anytime I turn I say, damn is, Did I do that? Is this no just no. Oh, okay, okay, we're good. That's all good. I just make yeah. sure I'm not I'm on well, the Well you're like
1: up. you have to to encourage any goal that you see, right? Yes. So I learned that from you and then I applied it to you.
2: See there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. You could stay hired because you
1: You're doing great. You're just doing, doing, awesome. <laughs> doing it. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. You actually did an amazing job.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks. Well, this has been super fun, and I encourage people to watch the movie Useless. And yeah. uh can't wait to see what you do next. Maybe we'll collaborate. Would be awesome something. Shut up. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. We talked about it yesterday. Great this new combos. film. This new film that he's writing is going to be awesome. It's going to be pretty cool. He's looking for funding. Yeah, from Votary.
2: 20 million. <laughs>
0: What do you say? uh, I'm in. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Call me out on the air. Yeah. We'll just raise the money. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And, uh, you know, uh, watch that movie.
2: And if you have any
0: questions or or how how can people reach you, Josiah?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm on Instagram probably more than anything else, um, at Josiah Burdick um easiest way or my website fearlesspictures.com um yeah you just send me an email or check out my stuff on there love it and uh
0: hit us with some comments if you want to hear more about filmmaking or if you'd like to hear more specific stories um from the trenches these different projects that we're talking about comment down below ask your questions and we will try to hit you back With that, that's episode 20. Peace, y'all. Adios.